welcome to Area de Rigore, that is ADR, episode 8, giving you your weekly dosage of Syria, all things Calcio, on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and of course Spotify, wherever you're listening, tuning in from, thank you for joining us. We are back, me and Maxi, apologies that is coming a little later in the week, Maxi was busy off celebrating his birthday on a bender for four odd days, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I disappeared uh, off the face of the earth for four days, so I, I have to. Yeah, that that's one of that one's on me. Still recovering. Happy yeah, birthday, yeah. man! Thank you, thank you, thank you. How old are you turning? If you don't mind, if you don't mind telling oh, everybody out there on the worldwide webs, I'm sorry, sorry. Well, you don't <laughs> nah, have to. You don't have to say anything. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I'm, I'm turning twenty-seven. I, oh, okay, I, okay, I, shit. I did turn twenty-seven. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I think. Me personally, I'm at I'm at the same age as you, but I'm at that age where I just start lying, just because <laughs> I don't know. Twenty seven is so a little bit scary to me. I'm still twenty six. I keep going down from twenty six, twenty five. But but anyway, my my existential crisis aside, there was a lot to unpack this week. I think the main headline being we can't start anywhere else apart from Derby de la Madonina and Maxi. We have a title race again. We have. Uh... Into let regard down, and now it's wide open. Wide, wide open. This, this, this derby, I think, opened up a big kind of worms. It's opened explosively now. Every, everything is is off the is off the table. I think before this week or before the game, at least, there was sort of a a consensus nod that Inter were heading inevitably to ramp to Scudetto and doing it quite easily with the with the squad, but within the space of I don't know, what what was it? twenty? Uh, oh sorry, not even twenty, my bad. Five or three minutes between those two late Oliver Giroud goals. AC Milan are right back in it. Napoli are back in it now as well. So for those who didn't watch the derby, Milan beat Inter 2-1 and uh that, that means now that there is a point between Inter and Milan and Napoli. Inter first, Milan in second, and Napoli on, on third. With Inter, albeit with a game in hand, but this was a massive result, I felt, especially with Milan dropping those those big three points to, to Spezia and then the week after in that dreadful game against uh, Massimiliano Allegri's Juve. Yeah, and and it looked, it, it looked bad for Milan uh, a really long time into this game. Uh, Honestly, when uh, at the point where Oliver Giroud scored his first goal, it should have probably been two or three nil to Inter, but uh, they didn't capitalize on their chances. And yeah, and after like 55, 60 minutes, they, they let their guard down and, and let Milan back into the game. Uh, and you can't do that against a team like Milan because they will, they will make you pay for it. And, and that they did. You, you cannot write off all over Giroud. And you can't write off this AC Milan team. You can't do it. They are punching well above their means. I don't think another manager in the world, I don't think this is too outlandish to say this, but I don't think any other manager in this in the world with this group of players would be where they are with Milan. Every single week they keep punching above their weight, but they've got this tenacity to carry on fighting and, and, and never say die. And it, and, and it works. Uh, even even during this game, when when things were not going their way, because like you said, Inter Milan did, I don't think pummeled them for 60, 70 minutes, but they were well on top, especially even in the first half, where Denzel Dumfries looked very, very dangerous. He kept he kept uh, venturing forward from the right, even popping up in the box, could have had a goal himself. But whenever Milan tried to get out, 
I didn't really feel like there was an outlet there at all. Uh, I have to give it to Pioli again. I know maybe it sounds like I am in love with Pioli every single week on this podcast, but his changes worked again. Kessie, who he was playing forward behind Giroud, was just never working. It clearly looked like he was he had a, an African Cup of Nations hangover, like the hangover you have, Maxi. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it clearly wasn't working. Bought on Brahim Diaz. Brahim Diaz changed the game, I felt. Yeah, yeah. And usually, Pioli's main strength isn't the, the tactical bit of, of the game. It's it's bringing a group together and create like a us-against-the-world kind of mentality. And I really form a strong, a strong group. Uh, but I, I just want to pinpoint that, I, that I'm not saying that he's a bad tactician, but it's really? not his main strength. But this game, it really shows. Come on. <laughs> This, this game, he really showed that he does well uh, in that department too because the substitution of Brahim Diaz was was the game changer for Milan. They they got some flexibility and movement in, in between Inter's lines and something that, that they didn't really get from, from Kessi. They just started getting on the ball more um, in the... In, in the in the second half, but in Inter's dominance was 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 registered, but but they they just I really didn't it, it didn't feel like AC Milan would even score, let alone win in the in sort of the first I think forty five and the in the sixty seventy minutes. Um, Pioli, I think this season is showing that tactically he is actually fantastic. I will say, discussing the managers, if we go to Simone Inzaghi. There was some, I think, peculiar changes that had going in hand in hand with Brian Diaz coming on and Juni Messias coming on. Zaghi made some changes that I thought were maybe a little bit too early, and the two combined, and, and Milan eventually won the game. To to put it into context, um, Inter finished with Federico De Marco, Matteo Darmian, Matias Vecino all on the on the pitch at the same time, which which meant that uh, Perisic came off, Brozovic came off. Uh, Chanahoglu came off at, at one point as well. This was all sort of towards the 65-70 minute mark where Inter hadn't finished the game off and it allowed Milan to come back in. I get that they have a packed schedule, um, but, but in this system where we've seen fullbacks and Perisic especially, who was especially dangerous, be as uh, good of an attacking outlet as they can be, I think he was a little bit too quick with the changes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um... I, I can understand to a, like a certain degree that, that it was the right decision to take Chalanoglu off because he he had a yellow card and and the and the game was in a very like the the mood in the game was that he easily could have just taken a second yellow and be and there would be one man short but the other two substitutions I I didn't really get why he did so early on um. And as you said, it, it was a combination of those changes and and, and Milan's changes, with which uh, changed the game completely. And uh, yeah, uh, it's it, it's football. Sometimes it works that way. Uh, but I think Inter are probably more upset now that they didn't finish off the game earlier because they had the chances to do so. I mean, they they did. Uh, they're, they're clear cut chances, though. If if we're particularly remembering them off the top of our heads, apart from the Denzel Dumfries one, could could you name me another? Uh, I think Barella had a good 
a good good effort that yeah. maybe just went wide, yeah. but there, there wasn't for all the dominance. They didn't actually create too much. I'm not, you know, I'm not like don't mean my DMs, uh, interfans. I'm clearly saying that you you were dominant and maybe you could have scored more, but you didn't actually create that many clear cut chances. And then Oliver Giroud comes in with a one two punch. Um, Sandro Tonali, by the way, is proving why there was a tug of war between in the the two Milanese clubs last year. He, he was stupendous in this game. Yeah, if if I would choose one Milan player who's been the best the best player in the team this season, it would hands down 100% be Sandro Tonal. Rather Krunic. Yes, yes sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, it, it would be Sandro Tonali. Um, Rafael Leao has had some beautiful moments and, and he's gotten a lot of... Um, production uh, his, his way this season I think it's like nine goals and five or six assists or so um, yeah I think he was out he was out of the team for a while as well with injury yeah but but overall I would say Sandro Tonali because he's he's played on this level throughout the entire season he's uh, honestly I on the top of my head I can't remember a bad performance he's had this season Um so yeah, great, great effort from Sandro, and um, and as you said, it's it just shows his potential and and why every club in Italy wanted him. Yeah, I th- I thought that he had a great midfield battle with N- uh, Nico Barella and Brozovic as well, but and he won, he came out on top, but he needed a calm height next to him who was Ismail Benessa. Every time I see him play, I always just just think he he knows he's got such guile. When when the ball comes to him, he knows sort of what to do. There's not really any rash decisions. He's a really good recycler of the ball. He'll always pick out uh, his own teammates, but also recover it sort of smartly. Um, there was one sort of exchange where he was basically, I mean, tackling Inter by himself for for a good minute, and then he managed to pass it out to I think it was Salome. Because, um, but I think Inter, like you said, will be very very pissed off, very annoyed. I know their fans, a lot of them are because. Um, essentially as well, they, they were playing a back four that had Romagnoli and Kalulu as the as the main centre-back pairing. Yeah, and, and, and Kalulu isn't even a natural centre-back. And Romagnoli's been out, you know, that in and out of the team for, for months now. So it's not like th- this is the main centre-back pairing that Milan has had this season. It's it's what, what they had for this game. And I think that Kalulu has done a great job Filling in for Gare and, and Tomori this this past past yeah. month, but he he's obviously much better at right back. Even though I I I think he's uh, been very good at at center back. I think that just sums up Milan. Every time we mention a player, we're sort of surprised. Or oh, sorry, like a like another utility player, but one off coming off the bench. We mention him and they go, "Oh, I will, I'm pretty surprised at how well he played." I think that's just. The, the tenacity summed up in this team. This is just the gladiator spirit that Pioli has has gotten into this team. Players always punching above their weight. Um, by the way, I loved how feisty this derby was, especially at the end. There was Inca had a last minute free kick, but my eye gaze was sort of occupied by the the lower parts of the screen because there was so much kerfuffle going on. I think Tio Hernandez had just gotten sent off. La Torre Martinez had ran sort of not down to the pitch, but not down to the tunnel, sorry, down nearby where the tunnel is to like yell at him. There was so much going on right towards the end of this game. So much piss that was boiled. Yeah, 
for lack of a better phrase. You you just knew that when when uh, Tonali lost the ball there and and uh, Dumfries got it, you just saw and feel that he was going to he saw his chance and just cut him off. And yeah. and and to the context of that, um, Tio and uh, Tio and Dumfries had like a, a sort of a Christmas gathering fight. Not yeah, throughout the entire game, and and that. He just saw his chance to give back on on Dumfries there, and like, yeah, I see, a, I see a chance here to to stop a, a promising attack and give it back on Dumfries. Hell, yes, I'm going to take it, and he did. Yeah, the, the, both benches were irate uh, and and up in each other's faces at the end, but you could see the irritation on on everybody who involved. With uh, who had an inter shirt on, um, you, you could visibly see that they were ticked off at, at, at looking at where the match had gone to. I thought it was very intriguing watching my Twitter feed sort of throughout the week, just chock full of inter fans who, were, and rightfully so, like the rest of us, were convinced that they were going to walk over AC Milan, and then it sort of just changed into this irate and furious Twitter feed of Inter fans going, I can't believe this. Oh, God, it's, it's a, we're, we're losing to an underhanded Milan team. And now we've got Liverpool on Tuesday. So things change in football, man. Life comes at you fast. Yeah, and, and I also want to say that this derby really showed like what what a coup Milan did with signing Olivier Giroud in, for like 2 million euros. Oli, Oli, yeah. I mean, didn't even mention him yet. He's he's one of these players that you know he always come come forward in in the big moments, and he just needs one half of a chance to score, and he will take that half of a chance, and he did that two times this this game. He spun. Uh, he completely spun. Yeah, the first goal was going out for a corner kick, and he just threw himself there and and got it in, and the, the second he just sends uh, the fly up on the stands and and. Finishes finishes uh, the goal off, and so yeah, I what what a signing that is for Milan. Yeah, he's he's got he's garnered a lot of hate from a lot of people, but uh, I think I tweeted it at the time, and um, you you just can't write him off. He's he always somebody who has consistently shown his quality wherever he's gone. Um, Bast Bastoni was sent off towards the end of this game. I didn't realize this. Um, but Bastoni was sent off towards the end of the game. He's now out for two games. Stefan de Bride did does not look like he did last year, or as good as he looked last year. I think this game showed it. I agree, uh, but but also it's like it's 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 tough for for defender. I'm I'm just talking about this game now. Um, it's tough for a defender to like keep focus for an entire game or that long of a period. When you don't really have anything to do, um, Milan rarely, rarely threatened against Inter's goal. So they, it, it felt like they had lost focus a bit as well. Um, and when when Milan started pushing, they they weren't ready. Yeah. Now, I mean, we talk about how quickly things change. Napoli coming up now on Saturday. Right after that, Liverpool at home, and then uh, Sassuolo. So. Things can, things things have changed really quickly, the, and they've got a tough tough run. Inzaghi's going to have to galvanize his men very very swiftly. But we have a title race, man. Yeah, we have a title race, and 
it's going to be a tough task on, on Tuesday as well because it's a Liverpool team with uh, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane back from the AFCON, uh, Harvey Elliott back from injury and, and Luis Diaz coming from Porto. So perhaps a Liverpool team stronger than ever at this season uh, who, who Inter are going to face off with. Some interesting news that occurred this week. One of my all-time favourite players who play, ever play in Serie A, Seba Giovinco, is back. Back for Sampdoria. He's back, baby. He's back, man. Do you remember when you had Giovinco on, on FIFA? Oh, yeah, every, every team. There was one FIFA, I think it was 14, 15, one of them, where he, it was when he was playing for Parma, and he was just electric. Couldn't Couldn't be tracked. Yeah, yeah. What, especially that that second season at Parma, man. He he just did what he wanted. Did, did they ever get a nickname for him? The Atomic uh, Ant. The Atomic Ant. Okay. I mean, that sounds like a lame ass superhero film, to be honest. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. You can't think of anything better. It, it just it boggles my mind, and and maybe with how quickly the years are going, he's now he's thirty five now. Yeah. So I'm. I mean, I'm guessing he won't have the same electric pace as as he did before. But he seemed to enjoy enjoy his his stint at Toronto FC, and now he'll be coming back to uh, to Sampdoria to play with Candrava and Manolo Gabbiadini and uh, Tosby. Make sure that Sampdoria are in Serie A next year. They, I think they should be okay. They they've just they've just hired Gianpaolo again. Um, but it, but it's a good signing, and it's nice to see somebody like like Giovinco back back in. I, I always. I was thought that he could have just stayed in Syria. Really, I'm not. But but these these guys like Insigne, for instance, would uh, not be not say no to a paycheck because he, he went to Al Hilal after Toronto FC as well. Yeah, and as you said, you didn't want him to leave the Syria uh, to begin with. But when he did, uh, and he he then felt like he wanted to leave Toronto. You, it was at that point you really wanted him back. Now. Now he's uh, three years older than he was then, and yeah, of course, I think that he would be a would be a good signing for Sampdoria. But um, yeah, you really wanted him back earlier, so you could have enjoyed him more in Serie A. Yeah, but I mean, we have sort of the veteran years to come. Um, I can't wait for the for a Giovenco to Caputo into Qualiarella and a goal for Sampdoria combination. Um, what do you think? I'll quiz you now, Maxi. What do you think was the most goals he ever scored in a season? Mm, I think it wasn't it in like Toronto where he scored like twenty two or something. Yes, yes, it was twenty two. But but sorry, I don't remember what year. I meant, I meant in Syria. My bad. <laughs> uh, I I I can't remember the Juventus years, but I know that he scored like fifteen goals at Parma one season. Hey, you looked it up, didn't you? You looked it up. No, 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 no. I I don't lie to me. You looked that up. No, 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 no. I, I actually followed Parma a lot that year. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're a big Atomic Ant fan. But it's good to it's good to have somebody like Giovinco back in. Yep. 